0: Welcome everyone, I am Bob Wurzelbacher, the director of the Respect Life Office for the Arts Diocese of Cincinnati, and this is our video podcast series that we call Being Pro Life. Each month we discuss a different topic in the Respect Life arena, we'll hear a personal story from someone deeply affected by that issue, and finally, we'll share ways that you can get involved. This month's topic is the beautiful gift of adoption, and as always, we have a special guest. Will you please introduce yourself?
1: My name is Monica Troy. I am a birth mother, and I placed my daughter up for adoption in
0: 1985. Well, Monica, thank you so much for appearing on the show. Can you share us your story?
1: I found out when I was pregnant at age 21. When I went to share with the father of the baby that I was pregnant, he wanted me to have an abortion. And I told him I would rather die than make that choice. He said if you decide to keep the baby, he would have nothing to do with it. So I went on a journey of what I should do. Either keep the baby or place up for adoption. I think the hardest part was going home and telling my family, my parents. I was living alone at the time in Columbus. I just started a new job. I was only there for a few months. And I went home once trying to tell my parents and I was just too afraid. I couldn't do it. So I went back home, back to Columbus And I decided to start telling my siblings first. I'm one of eight. So I started with one brother at a time and a sister. And that gave me enough courage to tell my parents. They were very disappointed, rightfully so. I was raised Catholic. And my father simply said, I want you to get a counselor to help you through this crisis. They didn't really tell me what I should do but they just said a counselor will help me work through the best decision for me. So when I went back to Columbus, I called Catholic Charities and I found a social worker and I met with her every Monday after work for an hour. And through that journey, we talked about adoption. I think the hardest thing was I could understand if I could make that choice. When I thought of having a child at the hospital how does one just leave the hospital without your child? So each Monday, we would talk about that decision. The best thing for me was writing the pros and the cons, the pros and cons of each decision, either keeping the baby or placing it up for adoption. And she had me journal, so it helped me clarify my decision. So if I ever changed my mind or she said later in life, if you question why you made the decision, you can go back to your journal and to see how you came to the decision. Adoption decision doesn't just happen in one day. It's a process and really to help think what is the best decision for your child. For me, I knew the father of the baby, wanted nothing to do with, and I would have had to raise her myself. Financially, I was not in a good place. And emotionally, I was not in a good place to raise a child. At the time, in 1985, the only option was closed adoption. I didn't have a decision on the parents. They went on a wait list, whoever was waiting the longest, through Catholic Charities, and they would try to match up ethnic and education. So the father of the baby was Greek, so they tried to match a family that had Greek ethnic background, which they did. And there was a couple that was on a wait list for almost 10 years. So they had the family picked. A little bit of my journey during that time, my family, my parents did not want me to come home. They were trying to keep the pregnancy hidden. I lived with two other girls. One of my roommates, we went through the Lamaze classes together. She was right there with me through the pregnancy. We worked together. When I was eight and a half months pregnant, I had an uncle That was a priest. I was very close to him and I was planning on going to see him and stay with him for a few weeks after the baby was born. My sisters came to visit me for my birthday in May and they told me he died of a heart attack. And when I went to the funeral, my pregnancy was revealed and everyone found out. Right. So we could try to keep things a secret, but things do come out. When I had the child... She was born in June. Being a first child, I didn't really understand the labor pains. I thought they were Praxton Hicks. And I went to work for the full day and I was in labor for the whole day, but I thought they were just Praxton Hicks because I was having a lot of them just because the stress from losing my uncle. And at the end of the day, one of my co-workers decided to drive me home and I was so tired, so tired. And she asked me, are you okay? And I said, I'm just Want to go home and rest. And I went home and I went to bed and I slept for about an hour. My other roommate, she said she would be home shortly, another hour or so. When I got out of bed, the labor pain was so hard, I fell to the floor. Very, very strong contractions. And I couldn't even get to a phone. The baby was coming. And all I could do at that time was cry out to my uncle to be there with me. And I just, we just prayed together in spirit. When she started to come out, my roommate walked in and she came home Wow! and she panicked. She screamed. She ran downstairs, called 911. And when you call 911 and there's an emergency, whoever comes first is closest. And a fire truck came with four firemen. By the time they walked in, the baby was already born. Wow. (laughs) Yes. So it was such a gift to have her at home. I was so afraid of going on that journey at the hospital and that when she would be born, I thought they would just take her away. Right. So it was such a gift of, um, and a scary gift <laughs> to deliver um, her in my apartment. Uh, there was nothing they could do because she was healthy. Everything was fine. So they left and the ambulance came about 10 minutes later and they took me to um, a Catholic hospital which was very unplanned. I was supposed to go to a different hospital. So I went to St. Anne's, which was my dad's favorite saint. And it was such a blessing for me to be at a Catholic hospital because I had the opportunity to receive the Lord.
0: Wow, what an incredible incredible story. I know the story's not over yet, but you had already at this point been matched with a couple already. Was religion and any, was one of the factors that they considered, was it a Catholic couple? Yes, absolutely. Now, for the listeners that maybe don't know these terms, right? You said this was a closed adoption. It's the only one that was available at the time, but we have closed and partially open adoptions these days. Maybe you can go over that really quickly, what that means.
1: Okay. A closed adoption is you have absolutely no contact, no pictures. At the time when I placed, they told me at age 21, I would be able to get the files and I would be able to find her. Obviously, those laws have changed. Now the records are sealed for closed adoptions, but very rarely people choose that option. Many people do open option where they can see the child, have contact, or a partial adoption is where they can only get pictures
0: and have contact. Okay, so yours was closed. Does that mean that you didn't meet the parents either, or does that only have to do with meeting the child later on?
1: I've never met the parents. The social worker picked the parents. Because of my situation in 1985, the birth father had 90 days to stop the adoption. He refused to sign the birth certificate, so she went into foster care for 90 days.:
0: She was with the couple, but, they, but she was officially a foster child for those first 90 days, and she was with that same couple, right? That's what that?: No, means. she
1: went to a foster family. They're not even notified until the adoption can be placed, until I sign the papers and the birth father signs the papers and he loses his rights. Then they call the couple and say, we have a child for you.
0: So they pick out a couple, but the couple doesn't know that a a child is going to be born even yet. Correct. They're just called, there's a three month old, basically, who you can now take home. Yeah. It's not like that anymore. I already know that. Yes. <laughs> yes. So we interrupted your story. So you had your baby at home and then they took you to a hospital. Let's go right back to that moment, right? So you're, you're in, the, in an ambulance. Are you holding your baby when you're in the ambulance being taken to the hospital?
1: I am actually the placenta is still inside me. I did not deliver the placenta. So she is still attached through to okay. cord. Yes. And she right. is laying on me. Going to the hospital.
0: Right. That whole time. Take us back to that. Then how long were you with your or your baby? And how was that moment when you couldn't be anymore? What was that all like?
1: When I got to the hospital, obviously they cut the cord and they took her and got her cleaned up. They weren't expecting me. They were actually expecting me at a different hospital because the adoption was planned. So they really didn't know what to do. So they put me in a separate hallway in a different um, location away from any other mothers and children. They thought that would be disturbing for me. But they did let me see my daughter. I did choose to feed her the whole time. They let me stay an extra day, which was wonderful. I think the hardest part was when my mother came to visit me. She was not ready to let go of her
0: granddaughter. Had you talked about that with your mother in advance? Did you you already say, mom, do you want to see baby when she is born and she didn't know, or yes, I absolutely do. Was that a plan?
1: We did talk about adoption the whole time with my parents. We went back and forth. I did let them know. My mother did say she wanted to come see me when the baby was born and she wanted to see her. Okay. I think it was harder for her because she didn't have anyone to talk to through the oh. whole process compared to, for me, I did have a social worker to work through a lot of emotions and feelings So there's no way really to prepare for that moment. But she did have time with my daughter. And then after she left, I had time just to myself with her. For me, it was the rosary. I said the rosary with her in my arms. It brought so much peace to me that I knew I was making the right decision. And it was simply of trusting, trusting in God that he will take care of my daughter and that one day I will meet her again. And I was able to let go.
0: So, you want to talk about that last moment, that final goodbye? How long after the birth was that when you had to give the baby to the social worker in that case?
1: They stay at the hospital and then they discharge me. The social worker comes and picks up the baby. I'm really not involved in that. But because the birth father did not sign the birth certificate, she went into a foster care home for three months. So, during those three months, I did receive some pictures. I did have the option to go see her if I wanted to, but I chose not to because I did not want to say goodbye again. I went on a retreat just to work through a lot of emotions and feelings that I had before I went back to work. But I did ask the social worker if I could at least know her first name. I did not get to name her. That was the
0: adoptive parents. Right. And
1: I wanted to know the day that they would receive her and what they would name her first name.
0: So three months of time. So is this foster family doesn't have a name for this child or just using a name because you have to use a name?
1: I honestly, <laughs> oh, I don't know. Yeah. No. I think they just called her maybe a right. little baby girl. I don't, right. She did not have a name. The day of the adoption, I went to a church and just prayed for that family. I did write a letter to the adoptive parents and I did write a letter to Elaine Basically, helping her understand why I made the decision I did. And I wanted to write a letter to the parents too, just to share a little bit about myself. So they knew a little bit more about me personally in a letter. And I gave them those gifts when she was placed.
0: And then what happened next in your life?
1: Then we begin the journey of living with the decision. I think the biggest part was to find other support groups of birth mothers. And wherever I lived, and then we've moved many times throughout my life, I always sought out support groups for birth mothers. I think the hardest thing with a closed adoption is living with the secret because nobody knows. Right. And it's not like an open adoption where you can have, openly share. A secret adoption is nobody's supposed to know. So that's why it's very important to seek out support groups to talk to other birth, birth mothers and share that journey.
0: And there are groups, I know there's groups today, I guess there were groups back then as well, closed and open, where you can have that support. Do you think it's important to point out for anybody today what some of those differences are, even with a closed adoption? Maybe that would be helpful to point out to people who might be wondering how adoption works.
1: Yes. For an open adoption, you get to pick the parents and you actually meet them while you're pregnant. You actually develop a relationship with them. Many birth mothers want them there, part of the delivery. So they are there and they become more of a a family unit. A lot of decisions are decided of how much you want to see the child, how much you want to be part of the child's life. Or some of the birth mothers choose, I only want pictures, it's too much. You can decide on holidays or birthdays to be part of that child's life. And they are called mother. The adopted parents explain to the child, you have two mothers. And it becomes, they're not just as, um, this is a strange woman coming into the house to see right. you. And it, how beautiful it is that they share that love of the child.
0: And in your case, where the birth father was not involved, even though the father has 90 days still to show up and have something to say, the, the child will still be placed after three days in the adoptive family's home. It doesn't go to foster care for 90 days. And then with the adoptive family, it goes immediately to the adoptive family. So you went on, you had some support. And then I guess we pick up the story a little bit later.
1: I did go into a little bit of speaking about adoption. That was about almost over 10 years later. And that's because the adoption laws were changed. When I signed In 1985, they told me the records would be open at age 21. In 1998, the adoption laws changed to all records are sealed for 99 years. I felt that that was taken away from me of my right, because that's not what I agreed to at the adoption.
0: So it applied retroactively? Correctly, yes.
1: And that took me on a journey of public speaking, of stepping out and talking about adoption, And sharing the journey of birth mothers, which was a wonderful experience, and promoting adoption.
0: So why don't we go to the point where you decided you wanted to find your daughter after she was old enough?
1: Okay, so because the records were sealed for 99 years, I began a journey of how would I be able to find her. So I wrote a letter to Catholic Charities, hoping that they would give me the files, but they did not. They simply said, all I could do was go to the court system and put my name and wait till she desires to find me. So right before her 22nd birthday, I just received the letter from Catholic Charities and I was devastated. At this time, my husband and I had five children and I knew my daughter was an only child. And the reason why I know that is I've still kept in touch with my social worker. We were very good friends, and we stayed good friends. We wrote to each other off and on for 20 years. I always asked her, did they adopt another child? And I'm one of eight, and my husband's one of 10, and we know the joy of siblings. And I really just wanted to give her that option to see if she would like to meet her siblings. And I was devastated. I would have to wait. Right. You know, she would seek me out. Most adoptees don't really begin to look for their birth parents until they become a parent. So my husband just looked at me. And at the time, he was an FBI agent. And he simply said, would you like me to find her? And I didn't really have much information to give him. But he said it would be a fun side project. And I said, it's all yours. I'm going to bed. And it took him 20 minutes on the computer to find her.
0: <laughs> so this is like 2006 or something along those lines. Okay. Yes.
1: She just turned 22. And I asked him, I said, well, how do you know it's her? And he was able to find pictures, newspaper articles. She just graduated from the University of Texas. She was a big swimmer. So there was many, many articles about her and pictures. And she looked just like me. <laughs> <laughs> So I think the biggest part was, what do we do now? Now that we found her, what is the best interest of her? Right. Adoption is all about what is best for the child at any age. And the last thing I wanted to do was just to step into her life. And maybe she didn't want to see me. So my husband called her father and just shared the information and simply said, We would like you to tell Elaine when you're ready that Monica would like to meet her if she would like. Here is our phone number. Here's where we live. And she can contact us at any time. And we let it go. And for a birth mother, it was such a release because you're always wondering, will I ever find her? And this time now she can know that I do love her and I do care about her, but it's up to her Does she want to meet me? Three days later, she did call. At this time, three of our children knew about her. And they were so excited when the call came. We got to talk for about a half an hour. And we decided to write to each other to get to know each other and send pictures before we would meet. And we began that journey for a year and a half. At the time, she was living in Texas and we were living in Virginia. And we wrote letters back and forth. We have four boys and one girl. And our daughter was super excited to know that she had an older sister. Elaine was a big swimmer. And our daughter Lizzie just started a journey as swimming. They began to share pictures and share times together. And we decided to meet at Christmas of 2008. She is from Columbus. And my family lives outside of Cleveland. So we drove to Columbus and our family met Elaine and her family for the first time.
0: So tell me about that. The whole family at the same time, huh? Who all was there?
1: Well, first it started with just Elaine and I. We met, we had breakfast together. We wanted just a one-on-one time together. Then she took me to her house. Her parents were not there. And she just showed me her house. She showed me her room. She showed me where she grew up. And it was just so personal of just sharing that one-on-one time together. Then we went back to the hotel and that is when she met all the rest of her siblings. And they were super excited to, to meet her and get to know her. We went out to dinner and that's when she asked us, would you like us to meet my parents? And then we went to her house and we met her mom and dad and it was like a Hallmark movie. It was truly amazing just to listen to the stories of her growing up. The children ran up to her room, just stayed in her room laughing and giggling and sharing stories. And i I'm just imagining an only child instantly has five siblings. And I, as a mother, I was in awe how they embraced her, like they knew her her whole life. It was just instant connection, and they were super excited. It was such a gift. And then shortly after that, we had my family Christmas party. And so she decided to come up to Cleveland to meet all of my siblings, all my nieces and nephews, and my parents. And what a Christmas it was to be able to share that gift.
0: So now I guess you have, what kind of relationship do you have now? How often can you see her? She's in her 30s, I guess, now.
1: Yeah, she's 35. She has two little girls, so I'm a grandmother. We've always had a a relationship of writing letters back and forth just because of distance. So we try to see each, each other at least once a year or twice a year. The children write letters back and forth through Facebook, emails, or calling FaceTime. Elaine did get married, and Lizzie, our daughter, was in the wedding. And our older son, Matthew, who was at the time was 21, married them, which was quite a gift because in California, anyone can preside and do the wedding if you take an online class. (laughs) (laughs) So God has a sense of humor. And it was wonderful. It was really, truly a wonderful experience.
0: So it has, if you will, it has kind of a happy ending, you might say. But there were certainly some difficult and painful times involved in this as well. For anyone, right, who's either maybe in a crisis pregnancy or just is thinking about the option of placing a child for adoption, but is afraid, you know, but I just can't do that. I just can't imagine the pain of being able to do that, right? Do you have any any words for them from your experience of how it is that they can see the beauty of adoption as hard as it sometimes is as well?
1: Yes, Adoption is, it is hard. There's no way to say that this will be an easy experience. But adoption is what's best for the child, not just what's best for the mother. And when I saw Elaine's family, when I met her, and to see what a decision I made, how it made so many people happy, was such a gift. And it was just It was living joy. I will always miss her of raising her. But my children just treasured that relationship with her. And if I chose abortion, I could imagine not having her in my life. Right. For abortion, there's there's no good that comes from it. It's only death. And when I did find her, she said, thank you for choosing life giving me a chance to live, but it was even expanded on that of making so many people happy. Adoption can be a wonderful and beautiful experience.
0: Do you want to say anything about the birth father? Did she ask about that? Do you have any idea where he is? Was there any concern about connecting with him?
1: Yes, she did go through DNA. She was able to locate him. He has passed away. But she really did not want to see him, mostly because he refused to sign the birth certificate. And she said, if he didn't want to be a part of my life in the beginning, why would I desire to meet him?
0: So Monica, if someone is facing an unplanned pregnancy, where would you suggest that they go and seek out for help and making you know decisions about that?
1: There are many pregnancy centers in Cincinnati. The Women's Centers of Ohio have eight located in southwest Ohio. All of our services are free. You can get a free pregnancy test and an ultrasound, at least to see how far along you are. They have a wonderful staff to help you work through your decisions and just beginning to start the journey. If you're even not sure about adoption, you have an opportunity to meet other birth mothers and just hear their stories. We can connect you to the right people and start reading the bios of other adopted parents to see if there's a couple. That you would like to raise your child and just be educated before you shut that door there's so many people that just judge adoption as such a terrible thing for a birth mother when really it is a beautiful thing when two families come together and can raise a child i think it's such a wonderful opportunity when adoption is open i didn't have that option And I'm so happy for the birth mothers that they get pictures, that they get to see their child for their birthday. How beautiful. And they see their child's being well taken care of and loved and brought so much joy in other families.
0: Thank you for sharing with us your story of your journey with adoption, your journey with placing your daughter for adoption, and then meeting her again so many years later. Well, thank you for spending time with us today.
1: I'm so glad I had the opportunity to share my adoption story and my journey. It's not a story I get to share every day. So what a gift it is to share with so many people that want to listen about a birth mother's journey.
0: I want to thank all our viewers and listeners for tuning into this episode of our Being Pro-Life series. Head to the website to check out the video version or the links talked about on this episode at www.catholicaoc.org slash life. Thanks again for listening. I look forward to being with you next time.